Welcome, Ecom Logistics Nation. Thank you for joining today's episode. We're on a mission to share e-commerce logistics insights, trends, successes, and challenges from the leaders and innovators in our space. There are a multitude of different ways to solve parcel problems. If you're a fulfillment house uh, and you provide a wide suite of SKUs and you're fulfilling a lot of different things to customers or your clients, like a 3PL does or like FedEx fulfillment does, you need something that has a lot of capabilities. If you're just a small e-com shop and you service very specific needs in a, in a small clientele, like climbing supplies, and that's your specialty, you really only need a very limited set of tools. All your parcels are very similar. They're going to clients and, and you don't have a huge volume. So it really depends on the problem you're trying to solve, what kind of tool you need. Welcome, Ecom Logistics Nation. This episode, Nanad and I welcome Bill Schroeder, president of ProShip, a leading provider of multi-carrier shipping software. His experience in supply chain technologies includes enterprise systems, integration, design thinking, and agile methods for R&D. Prior to ProShip, where he joined as president in 2021, Bill spent over 20 years in logistics technology with the USPS, FedEx Express, FedEx services, and rounded out his FedEx career at FedEx Supply Chain, where Nanad and I had the pleasure of meeting and working with Bill. He is a United States Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service, Bill, and is passionate about veterans and the programs that assist our men and women when they return home. Bill, we are truly excited for the conversation, my friend. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is this is going to be a fun one, especially with Bill. Um, off camera as well, Bill, Bill and I have had the opportunity to banter on a lot of these subjects. So essentially what you're going to hear today is things that we would generally discuss anyway. So this is going to be a special one for us. Yeah. Absolutely. Same conversation we'd have sitting around the, uh, around the bar having a beer, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got a few stories. They will be coming up today. So. <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah, not all of them. <laughs> uh, Bill, when we when we kick off podcasts, we love starting with learning. You know the why behind logistics professionals. You know, like yourself, that have served our space for you know twenty plus years. As, as I mentioned, introduction in your introduction. So, would love to start with learning about your why. You know, why you picked the logistics space. Any highlights you would like to share from your twenty plus professional years in logistics leading up to becoming the president at ProShip? Yeah, I, I would love to tell you it was all by design and I, <laughs> I intentionally went into the supply chain space. Uh, you don't find very many people like that. I, I kind of accidentally fell into it. Uh, believe it or not, I started off my college career going into genetic engineering and uh, a whole bunch of interesting stuff in the biochemical industry. Uh, and then ended up uh, in the Air Force for a stint during the recession of 9091. And uh, I guess that was the beginning of my supply chain career. It was actually our mission to drop assets off in uh, various places. And uh, that's kind of logistics and supply chain, if you think about it. And then uh, after that, I, I ended up at the post office. And then after the post office, ended up at FedEx. And then after FedEx, ended up at ProShip. So uh, it was uh, a career choice that picked me rather than the other way around. That's really common, too. I mean, I went to school for marketing. It, it found me, I think. <laughs> there you go. Probably you 90% go. of the people that we talk to and, and have on the podcast, they, they didn't, they don't, they didn't have the education background. They didn't know they were going to end up in supply chain logistics. And, and as you said, it found them. And once it finds you, it holds on for dear life. There's no letting go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just to, just to get into the conversation itself, maybe I'll start with a story, right? So I'm working for FedEx supply chain. I have the responsibility to figure out how we are going to do this thing called FedEx fulfillment at this point. And, um, you know, I, I, I get into figuring out how do I do multi-carrier shipping? Right. And this is kind of not the first time I'd seen them previously software that I'd used in the past. And so I end up 
you know, running a small RFP and ending up choosing a provider. Um, and Bill is on the other side, on the services side, right at that point. And so I'd like took advice from Bill on all of these softwares that I was looking at just because, you know, we'll hear through this, right? Like he spent a lot of time, his career working on some of that stuff. Um, he comes back and, you know, gives us feedback and I kind of ignored one part of his feedback and ended up selecting a solution. Lo and behold, Bill actually comes over to FedEx supply chain as the new director stepping in with oversight over the work that I was doing. And every time the software would go down, he would look at me and go, I told you not to select that. I told you not to go with that software. So that, that, that actually happened. I'm not naming names, but I will say this is a true story. So um, given the vast experience that you have in this space, Bill, I would love to, you know, start off with, and this is something that happens all the time. I was on a call a couple of weeks ago. Um, with a client and they, their need was parcel, but all of a sudden the conversation shifted to TMS and all of a sudden it's this really confusing conversation. Are we talking LTL carrier management? Are we talking parcel management? Can you just help demystify the space and how different the two things happen to be where, you know, you have a TMS versus you have a multi-carrier Again, it is kind of a TMS and how they kind of delineate between them. Like, how would you explain this to someone stepping just into the space brand new? I usually draw an analogy that that relates the solution to tools, right? So if, if you want to accomplish a task and you need a saw or you need a hammer, um, you might use a hammer, right? It, it, it's a tool. It does the job. Now, if you're a jeweler and you need a hammer, you need a very specific kind of hammer. Um, there are a multitude of different ways to solve parcel problems. If you're a fulfillment house uh, and you provide a wide suite of SKUs and you're fulfilling a lot of different things to customers for your clients, uh, like a 3PL does or like FedEx fulfillment does, um, you need something that has a lot of capabilities. If you're just, uh, you know, a, a small e-com shop and you service very specific needs in a, in a small clientele, like uh, climbing supplies, and that that's your specialty, uh, you really only need a very limited set of tools. All your parcels are very similar. They're going to clients and, and you don't have a huge volume. So it really depends on the problem you're trying to solve, what kind of tool you need. So then you, you, you look at the functionality that's provided. A lot of WMSs have parcel capabilities built into them. It's native in the product, right? Um, some of cases it's an add on, some cases it's provided for free. Uh, those are usually very generic, one size fits all. There's not a lot of customization you can do to them. You get the carriers that come with them. It's a good general purpose tool, right? A good hammer you can use around the house for probably any kind of task. Uh, you take that same functionality, the same WMS, fits your needs great as a WMS, and you're running a 3PL operation, whole different set of problems, whole different set of needs that you're going to have in the parcel execution space. So you might look at a TMS. You might be looking at, uh, you know, some LTL, some truckload, some over the road, some, you might be running your own fleet too. So you'd look at a TMS that would provide those capabilities. Where we come into play is when you have a, a, a lot of customization you want to do, you want to use a wide basket of carriers and you have a highly refined transportation strategy where you're really trying to optimize and leverage all the carriers or many carriers in a number of different scenarios and situations. And you have very complicated uh, I would say strategies that you use to leverage the parcel carriers to the maximum ability that you can. So it, it's a very specialized tool, um, can fit a wide variety of needs and connect pretty much to anything that you would need to. So multi-carrier systems typically specialize in parcel execution uh, via any mode in any carrier you can imagine. 
as well as some LTL. And then when you get into ocean freight and a lot of, a lot of over the, over the road trucking type solutions that you need, you want a wider set of tools that support those. Yeah, and I, I think the the complexity in the multi-carrier side, and I can speak to it just because my experience is very much on the 3PL side of the universe, right? Like if you are running a multi-client, multi-tenant type of environment, you have all of these. First of all, that parcel execution it ends up becoming one of your biggest pieces of revenues and margin, actually, from an operation standpoint. But to optimize against all the options that you have with the carriers that you have, that you are using, the diversification of these carriers. Now, the challenge is every contract might be uniquely structured as to how much your buy rate for a given carrier would be and the sell rate for your given carrier would be, right? So having multiple clients with multiple contracts, with multiple carriers, while you are trying to determine all of these clients are selling differently on their online channels, right? They could have, you know, some might call it two-day shipping. One might call it free shipping. Another might call it, uh, you know, um, next day air. Or some might explicitly tell you for this particular shipment, just use FedEx Express as an example, right? Or first priority or something of that nature. Take all of that complexity and do it at volume, right? Like that's that's how I see it, right? Like it's it's... Okay to, you know, first of all, it's the complexity, but then be able to do it at a rate where, you know, you could have a, 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 a print and apply line, or you might have, you know, 25 pack stations that are buzzing through at the same time. And you require potentially 20, 30, 40 labels per second, right? That's where some of that complexity comes into play. And I think, I think that education bill is very necessary because, and maybe I, to f- frame up the next question for you, it's like there is all of these online solutions. I don't want to name them, right? Like, but there is a lot of online come, I'll give you an API or sign up for my account and I'm going to give you labels. Great solutions for, um, SMBs, smaller 3PLs that are just, you know, getting their feet wet. Like, what is the difference between buying an app enterprise grade multi-carrier solution versus using an online, you know, application? That's a, that's a great question. And I think you really identified it with two key words, uh, complexity and volume, right? Um, and I'll add a third, it's really optimizing your spend, right? So you're in any one of those operations, especially in the 3PL space, uh, 1%, half a percent of margin that you can eke out of something that could make the difference between a black month and a red month. Um, it's critical that every dollar is spent in the best way possible. So attacking all three of those volume, the online solutions are great. Um, it, they vary in how they actually execute the shipments. Uh, in most cases, it's an API aggregator that has come up with a normalized set of data elements that go in and out. And then there's some carrier selection, simple rate shopping, best way, best price, transit time, uh, things like that. But it takes two hops. You're making the request to them. They're making the request from the carrier's back end. Then they take the response and they bring it back. And there's translation at each step. So best case, you're looking at 100 milliseconds to get to them, 100 milliseconds for them to get to the carrier. Depending on how the carrier's back end web services or APIs perform, you're getting a label back in a second, maybe sub-second, and then you're getting that back to you. So... By definition, for volume, that latency right there kills you. You, you can't execute at volume, uh, especially with print and apply solutions or, you know, auto beggars that are labeling the packages at high speed. Uh, you've got some issues there with latency. Uh, there's ways around that. You can do wave processing. You can pre-process all these, but then you lose some of the other advantages you get to the multi-carrier solution. So the next one's complexity, and this is where you really get into some major opportunities to save cost and optimize your spend. So the carriers, you know, every year this time, it's happening right now, 
right? That's, that's the, that's the headline rate for price changes in the coming year, right? And then, then we've got, oddly enough, the post office this year is swimming against the current. And they said, we're going to go against the trend. We're going to do like 4.8, 5.5. <laughs> Depends on where you drop it off. How big is it? How small is it? Is it less than a pound? You know, it, the yeah, carriers it's, it's, have figured that yeah, out. Yeah, it's taxpayers' money, so they can do that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's well, not get into I, that. I'm not going to get into whether or not the carriers are profitable. That's a whole different story. But it does present opportunities, right? And and the contracts are written in such a way that 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 headline number really is irrelevant. You know, that's that's kind of that's the press ready number. Um, where it really comes into is the details in the contract. What weight, what zone, what are the weight and zone breaks? What's the minimum package charge? What are vast serial charges for all of the different rural areas? Or somebody's got a really long driveway. We're going to charge extra for that. That's where a human can no longer really optimize the spend because you'd have to make the choice at the point of shipment. And that's where the APIs with some simple rate shopping can't really accommodate all of the possible permutations. And that's where a multi-carrier system really comes into play. You can load all your contract rates. You can optimize for all of the variations down to the actual delivery address level which is critically important, but you can also factor in size, weight, um, oversized charges. Uh, what are the actual charges that you're going to have from a particular carrier that meets the rest of your requirements? Then the next layer of complexity, and this is where you get into some really bad stuff, your contract is going to have obligations. Uh, mm -hmm. You're going to have to commit to some kind of volume, be it revenue or number of packages. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure you fulfill that contractual commitment. Well, you have an option to just do that very simply. You just give them their 20,000 packages and then start to rate shop all the rest. Or you could give them that 20,000 packages, but give them the 20,000 packages that make the most sense for the shipper not the carrier, right? So yep. we, we have a thing called carrier volume balancing. Let's you intelligently fulfill your contract requirements with the packages you actually want to give them, where they're the winner on the price, where you're making the margin if you're fulfilling for a client. Um, those are the levels of fine tuning that really allow you to execute a transportation strategy, optimize your spend, and, you know, it, the key that we're really learning now and have learned more in the last few years since COVID, right? Supply and demand in the supply chain. How much capacity is out there? What are the carriers willing to do and negotiate? Um, we're seeing it again. They all geared up for, you know, a lot more shipping activity than is materializing, a lot more demand. Uh, the supply is, is out of balance at the moment. There are, there's more carrier truck space available. There is more capacity in the network available than there is packages to fill it. Uh, and I know we're going to get into what's peak looking like, but it, that really is the question. And what are you going to do as a shipper and how can you take advantage of that? Right. And, and I mean, you know, just, just to add to the complexity, like bring in zone skips right now, right? Like we are, you know, you're, you have so much volume that you have the ability to zone skip and actually save more on a given carrier or, you know, you might not have diversification on carriers, but you have such good deep relationships that you might be using one or two carriers, but you are now skipping zones and delivering right into a sort center as an example, right? Like you are taking that on doing those calculations themselves, right? That's where the complexity, at least, you know, and again, we could keep going on about how much savings potentially can be there in transportation. I recently, you know, mentioned it. I think it was on a webinar I, I mentioned. There is good 10 to 20% savings just sitting at the table when it comes to transportation. If you were to just, if you aren't taking a look at it and you do take a look at it just by auditing your invoices and making sure you're doing the right things and bringing in right decision making on what parcel you're selecting or what what label you are selecting there is significant amount of savings just buried right there 
for almost any company that's doing it. And they haven't explored a more complex solution at this point from a, a, a parcel standpoint. So love it, Bill. Love it. This was a masterclass. So you, uh, let me springboard off that. Sorry, Dan. Um, uh, Nanad, you are so dead on about the savings. Now, I don't, you know, the, the percentage savings varies, right? Yes. But if somebody's spending 10 to 100 million in transportation, it is very, very easy to eke out significant savings, more than enough to pay for the solution, right? And, and really the strategy to do that isn't the solution itself. It's the carriers and how you can then interact with them. If you have the ability to switch and, and manage a basket of five, six carriers, you, you take the big three and then you take some of the regionals, throw them in the mix. Suddenly that shifts the balance of power or the ability to optimize your choices in the shipper's favor versus the carrier's favor. The worst solution out there, and I, I hate to say this because for 20 years I was involved in the development of it, the deployment of it, the, the implementation of it. I know the what's most coming. Ex, the most expensive solution you can possibly use is the free one from the carrier. That is the most expensive shipping option you can ever pick. Um, if, if you're single sourced with a, with a single carrier, I, God help you. Um, it, it's it it does not lend itself to a lot of optimization. If the carrier saying, "Here's a server you need to <laughs> run at your warehouse," run, <laughs> run, uh, yeah. Yeah. or, oh, or here's our API. Just you know, just connect to this. It'll take your IT department, uh, you know, three days to code to it, and you're done. Yep, Which exactly. Is, you know, that's oh. a whole whole other oh. thing. I feel so. It. I you know I'm listening to you guys and I'm learning a lot and I'm thinking to myself. If I put my 3PL hat on or I put the hat on of a mid-market brand uh, that's self-fulfilling, talked about a lot of complexity. And the reality is, is they typically don't have like a dedicated transportation subject matter expert on their team. So I want to kind of just reframe some of the value that I heard. And you guys tell me where I'm on track or off track, because I think all this complexity that you just mentioned probably is a little bit of a scare factor, but the reality is we just spoke about the fact that there's a solution. So for those organizations that don't have a VP of transportation or, or a director of transportation, all of this complexity that we just talked about, an organization, a brand of 3PL could set business rules that they want for their business to, again, optimize their spend and deliver the expectation that their customers are re are expecting when they place an order. And the brains of these solutions manage all that complexity. And the carrier, the label that's printed at the end of the day is what the carrier that wins based off of your business rules. Wins based off of spend, wins based off of Commitment and contract wins because of the delivery experience that the end customer is looking for. So to unpack it, all that complexity that you guys just talked about, which was a masterclass, is solved for in these solutions we're talking about. So you don't have to necessarily have a subject matter expert transportation uh, member on your team. Am I understanding that right? I, I, no, I think then from my perspective, I'll, I'll speak on that particular subject quickly. I, th I think it is a combination, right? Like you first need to bring in, like if I was speaking to a brand or a 3PL, right? Like a brand that is actually using a 3PL or they are running their own regardless, right? I would say the person that runs your warehouse, and again, it all depends on the size and scale, but let's just say your transportation spend is over a million dollars. You should have a function that's actually looking at parcel execution, how it has been done, even if it's with 3PL, because now there is your opportunity. That's the area you want to negotiate. Of course, the trust factor in the 3PL and those things reign supreme, right? Like on who you are working with and the relationship. But when it comes to dollar and cents, transportation is the one that's going to hit you the most. And it's that's where you want good negotiation. And that can only happen. I can tell you this after being in this space for long enough, being a generalist, 
I still don't understand it completely. That's how complex these parcel negotiations and, you know, we have been working on like a PLD tool uh, uh, for, you know, analysis of like, you know, your old rate versus your new rate. The amount of criterias that go into these contracts are so ridiculous that you need someone really experienced to even start talking about it. Then that individual will automatically get to that point to say, we need a good software or a solution to manage all of this. Now, that is if you are running it yourself. If you're not running it yourself, it's a 3PL, then this individual is helping you negotiate and make sure you're getting the best rate possible. But if you are running it yourself or you are a 3PL, this is a function that has to, it is literally the biggest needle mover in a 3PL environment for, you know, how much money you are going to make, right? Like adding to your bottom line. So... Sorry, Bill. So, uh, yeah. I, I would ask you that question. Yeah, like what what are you seeing, Bill? Like, are you seeing that that expertise is yeah. in house, or are they maybe partnering with a consultant that specializes in this? Like, what are you seeing in the market? So it's a it's a great question, and there's many answers to it, and it really it, it hinges a lot on what str- what strategy a customer has undertaken uh, to manage their traffic and and their optimization of that spend, right? So our our customers vary from very unsophisticated. They're they're fairly new. Uh, There's been an explosion in the number of brands that used to, you know, deliver and sell their product entirely through retailers, entirely through wholesalers. And now they're getting into the e-commerce gig, right? So rather than sending a whole truckload of stuff, they're sending out one box. That's a completely new space to them. Um, And then there's highly sophisticated, entirely e-commerce B2C customers. Uh, And then there's size, you know, and it varies from very small operations to large operations. So the, the real gist of it is whether the expert works for you or the expert is somebody that you've contracted, uh, the same company that has no hesitancy at all hiring an accountant or a CPA to do their taxes should hire someone to advise them on their transportation. And mm-hmm. there's hundreds of these folks out there. They're, they're all very specialized in it. You'll find that almost all of them came from a carrier. They were either in the pricing department or in the audit department or somewhere. You know, they know this stuff inside and out. They're experts in it. Um, I, I lean heavily on several of them. We partner with several of them. They, they do a great job advising our customers. We don't, uh, we don't pretend to be that. We don't negotiate contracts. We don't get between the customer and how they're forming the relationship with their carriers because that's not what we're experts in. We're experts in executing on the strategy that the customer and those advisors come up with. Um, and the level of sophistication really matches the need, right? If you're shipping million dollars transportation spend, a smart kid with Excel can figure out where your opportunities are. It, it doesn't take a whole lot to figure that out, right? Yeah. If you're spending $50 million and you're doing it with 25 different DCs and you're doing it globally, you better have that kid with the spreadsheet call an expert, ask <laughs> the right questions, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's really where it comes down to. And, and there's so many places I'd advise looking on LinkedIn. I mean, people like Nate Scriver, yeah. they just, they continuously publish very good information and advice for free. Just imagine what you get if you actually engage with them and, and dive into the details of your contract. Uh, there's umpteen savings out there. Yeah, by the way, um, great it's, shout it's out to, great shout out to Nate. I completely agree. While yeah. you are thinking about this expert in the industry, that's the person that I had in the back of my mind. So yeah. absolutely. He's the man. He is the man. He, he's yeah. been on the podcast as well. He is absolutely the man. Yeah. Hey, so maybe let's talk about, so in, in, in lines with this, it starts with, let's talk about the digital only type of solutions for a second that grew from, you know, using a hundred dollars a month label printing solution that they got online. Right. Uh, 
Um, they start their business out of their garage. They grow, grow, grow. Next thing they get a warehouse. They are still using that $100. And I know what of lie. I have ran into a merchant using $100 license for one of those online solutions, shipping over 5,000 packages a day, right? Like, so you kind of evolve into that, right? But then you get to a point where you grow and you bring in a great WMS system to execute and you, you start looking at what should I be doing from a, from a software standpoint that I should bring in from a carrier. And yeah, WMSs do, do multi-carrier, but they only go so far because that's not their core. And none of these WMS companies, or at least most of the big, large ones, serious ones will never tell you like that's their core. They all try to drop out of it and they have created frameworks where companies like yours can just hook into them, right? Like Manhattan being the perfect example with their EPI solution. Anyone that has a multi-carrier solution can tap into that and it's, you know, the perfect universe. But then you are looking at a solution. There is a wide field. And I know for a fact, um, at least UPS and FedEx have like, you know, they're compatible programs, right? Or, or standards that say, hey, these softwares work really well with us. Can you kind of explain the difference between like a software that you can get versus something that one of the, or m multiple of those carriers actually approve and say, yeah, this is our choice. And why would they say that? Like, well, what is that process? Yeah, it, there's a lot in that question, Anas. So yeah, I know. <laughs> let me just start, let, let's start at the beginning. Yeah, the, it, it, if you start up a business and you're e-commerce and you're selling something and you're successful beyond your wildest aspirations, right? That presents many different problems. The first one is finding the warehouse, right? The next one is uh, how do I get the packages out? Now I got to buy a label printer and I've got this nice solution and everything's humming along. And then you double in size and then you triple in size and then you quadruple in size. Great success story. Um, you're going to look at all of the normal stuff right off the bat. I need a more sophisticated inventory system. I've, I've outgrown NetSuite or, or any of the online inventory management programs. Now I need a real WMS. So I get a real WMS. Um, and then it's a journey, you know, from there you, you've begun the journey. And it, what we often run into is where clients don't change those things until it's gotten painful. And by that point, they've, they've spent a lot of money that they didn't need to because they could have adopted a solution sooner. They're also a little bit behind the eight ball. Now they go find a solution and it's adequate for where they're at then. And then they grow twice again, right? Oh crap. Now I got to go do that again. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, in my ideal world, um, if I had to follow a customer's path, they go from that, that desktop solution or the online solution that they connected to. They, they saw the commercials uh, on TV at middle of the night and they, they dialed it up. They're like, yep, I got that. And, and then I'm progressing into a, a more sophisticated solution. And then I outgrew that. That is where I would love if they would call us or someone like us, right? then you can get into a solution that you can grow into uh, it, one that can grow with you, one that can scale up, which is probably the key. So it, avoid the solutions when you move from the free or very low cost one and, and taking that intermediate step to one that is going to again, constrain you and go right for one that is going to grow with you in the future and scale with you. One that, you know, can infinitely scale. I like to kind of look at it like um, when you're getting to that point and you're, you're spending a million dollars or more, 10 million on, on shipping and transportation, you're not, you're not going to shortchange yourself in other areas, Right. You're going to buy good warehouse space that fits your projections and everything you're thinking to do. And really, the cost of the shipping execution piece in the big scheme of things is small. Yep. You know, it's not cheap. You know, it's not one hundred dollars a month. But in what it's going to do and the value it's going to provide to the operation for decades to come, uh, it's not a place to pinch pennies, you know. 
it it really will deliver the results and the ROIs are phenomenal. I mean, we always have a hard time justifying them because nobody believes it, but <laughs> the cost for the execution is really very small in comparison to the benefit and the value that it gives to the company. So look for something that can scale, look for something that can grow with you with no upward limits and something that can connect to everything. So if you're, if you're operating with Manhattan now and you're happy with them, great. If you want to move to High Jump or Corber or Blue Yonder or whatever you need to, make sure that, you know, that that's kind of a key to the multi-carrier systems is that we have to operate in a space where we connect to everything that's ever yep. been deployed. Um, so look for something that's flexible and scalable. Uh, yep. Those are really the keys. Yeah. And, and, and Bill, on that uh, particular subject of, that certified solutions. Is it still a meaningful question to ask when you're searching for, or has the universe changed? Yeah. Because my, 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 I almost feel like I've been out of this space for a while or something because I'm not been the buyer, but certified matter. Does it still matter? Yeah. I, I, having been involved in the actual certification programs at a carrier. I, I have to say it matters. Uh, but the reality is it matters more to the carrier than it does probably to the end consumer. As long as you have a multi-carrier system or a provider that can be compliant with that carrier's specifications, their labels, and, and more importantly, the, the frequency of the changes. We just talked about the rates. That is by far the most regular predictable thing that carriers change. The other things that they change, they add new services, they add new uh, charges or fees, they add new methods that they calculate charges for a particular package or new delivery methodologies, barcodes, labels, those all change. You, you have to stay compliant with those. So now from the multi-carrier perspective, I love carriers who have certification programs. Because it means I get documentation. It means I get regular updates. I have communication paths and people to manage it. It's a great thing for both the carrier and for the providers who, who comply with that program. The unmanaged carriers, the ones that, you know, basically tell you, well, just tell us what you want in the API. You know, we'll put those fields in there. What do you want to call them? I mean, we literally have a, a book of specs we will give to a carrier that's in its infancy and go, here, these are the information fields we need. If you name them these, that's freaking awesome. That gives us a great starting point exactly. and, and we'll work on the rest later. So, Or, or, or the I, carriers that just give you a sequence of like tracking numbers and be like, just use them. Just don't reuse them. <laughs> just continue <laughs> using these numbers and then we'll bill you later. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they run the gamut from fairly sophisticated <laughs> to really simple. So, Bill, I can't think of, we're going to pivot here for a second. I can't think of anyone better to ask based off of your lens of the industry, what your predictions, thoughts, what is coming this peak season? This podcast will uh, will most likely air uh, right before we we kick into the the cyber days and the black days and everything. So, uh, what 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 do you think is going to happen? Yeah, anybody who tells you an answer to that question is lying. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> just flat out prediction. So, uh, prediction. So, yeah, here's here's my prediction, and I, I'm going to stay kind of in line. We have uh, about ninety five percent of the retailers have reported their Q3 results. Um, most of them felt pretty much in line. You know, there were a few surprises up and down, but I mean, for the most part, everyone was about where they expected through Q3. And I mean, calendar Q3, a lot of retailers have different fiscal yeah. years, but calendar Q3, uh, everything's kind of coming in where we expected. Now, what is really kind of weighing on a lot of people's minds is the volume that we're seeing already materializes softer than it normally is that this is the gear up time. This is when a lot of the retail establishments are stocking up and there's a lot of ground volume, a little softer than, than we would normally see this time of year. But even more important is the big retailers are providing guidance looking into peak and they're not predicting a stellar outcome. Um, I think we're going to be back on. Had you, if you took 
going way out on a limb to predict something, you know, if you took COVID and that, that peak, um, that unexpected surge in e-commerce volume and delivery, if you took that out and you just followed the trajectory that e-commerce was on, I think that's about where we're going to land now. Uh, okay. I think we've renormalized back to where we would have been organically had there been no COVID. Um, that's, that's my prediction. Uh, it's pretty safe statistically because if you look at it, law of averages, that's about where we should end up. Um, pretty safe prediction. So, so kind of on, on those same lines, if you kind of track back over the last couple of years, as people struggled or companies struggled during pandemic to ship stuff out because of carrier capacity issues and whatnot. Almost every large enterprise that did not have a carrier diversification program was looking, right? Like for looking for solutions. And I think your solution kind of was square in the middle that was solving for a major problem. Everyone went through first year of peak, uh, sorry, during pandemic. Year two, everyone's got major initiatives going, trying to like fix this. Major carrier yeah. diversification comes in play. Uh, network diversification comes in play. Do you think that it's going to hurt having so much diversification going into this peak now with, uh, are we also going to go back to the way people operated prior to pandemic from how you diversify carriers? Or do you think this is now the new trend is everyone's looking for the diversification to de-risk themselves from any future? Like I don't have, as you, you mentioned, you said carriers have more capacity this year, right? But is that something that's going to continue, right? Like it's so, so do you think it's a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is the trend going to continue around diversification? So looking at this from the perspective of a shipper, be they a major e-commerce player, a, a retail brand or a 3PL, anybody who ships, carrier diversification is a good thing, period, mm -hmm. end of story, full stop. There is no scenario in which having five carriers or more, it, don't get ridiculous. Nobody wants to manage 10 vendors, but at the same time, having multiple carriers at your, with the ability to execute them at your fingertips is a good thing. And it, I look at it as a risk mitigation strategy or an opportunity taking strategy. It works both ways, uh, whether it be a Disruption with a, a single carrier that was unexpected. We don't normally see those, haven't seen one since 1997. But if that does happen, you want to be able to do something about it, right? You don't want to be stuck with, you know, having all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Uh, now, from the carrier perspective, uh, it carrier diversification and uh, we, we had an explosion of of small regionals and, and virtual carriers, uh, during and post pandemic. Um, I don't see, there was a lot of investment in that space. I, I see that moderating a great deal. Um, what it did allow to happen is some consolidation took place in the regionals. Some of them have reached what I would call critical mass. They're here to stay. They're, they're profitable. They're sustaining their business. You don't have to worry about them coming or going. They have good strategic plans. They have good leadership. They're going to be around. So uh, the ultimate scenarios probably have a couple carriers to pick from. If you're small, if you're a major retailer, uh, major e-commerce brand, um, and you have multiple DCs, you should have a good basket of carriers and you should be able to leverage them everywhere. Uh, it's kind of like having a, a fire extinguisher in your kitchen. You know, nobody's expecting something unexpected to happen in their kitchen. They don't plan for <laughs> it, but you still have a fire extinguisher in case you need it. So with carrier diversification, you don't have to use that carrier. You know, it's enabled on your system. You're ready to go tomorrow. You don't have to use it, but it should be there if you need it. Right. Just like a fire extinguisher in your kitchen. That's, you should that's... have one if you need it. That's awesome. And, and maybe just to set up some, uh, a last one, you, you touched on the subject on the regional and the consolidation on the regional side. But during the pandemic, we also saw the rise of these tech enabled local delivery services 
that emerged right same day um how how has that been from your perspective like uh, have you had to integrate a lot of these carriers the demands increasing decreasing at this point because we are seeing a lot of them going out of business or consolidation occurring in that particular space as well quite yeah. heavily yeah the the same day in the metro market carriers that that is a fascinating space and there's there's continuous innovation happening in that space um I'm going to go out on a limb and predict that that will continue for half a decade or so. Ultimately, in the end, though, drones are going to win that last mile. Um, nobody's figured out how to do metro point to point uh, in a profitable way without small micro sortation centers and stuff. You just it, it's so hard to get to the density of delivery that you need. And uh, how how long are people going to be willing to to you know, rack up miles, destroy their cars for $5. Um, it's just, it's not a sustainable or efficient model. It's certainly not climate friendly. Uh, so there's a number of different logistical issues that have to happen. Now, I think in major markets, it's going to work. There will be, you know, if, if you've got a lot of density and you have the ability to do same day delivery and do some micro sortation centers so that you can, have a driver drop off three or four packages in a run. That makes sense. But single pickup, single delivery, it just mathematically just doesn't work. Yeah. Something you touched on. I want to continue on that path, right? So is there a whiteboard in the ProShip offices where there is the algorithm and the strategy necessary to do drone carrier selection? Because... I can see that as like, I, this, this just occurs to me that if it becomes something and it will as a delivery option, now you got to do a carrier selection between am I using X versus Y to do this? And when do I select drone, right? Like doing the algorithm to say this one can deliver, but also there is also limited capacity, right? That you got to play with. So have you guys been thinking about it uh, out of curiosity? So yeah, we're actually working with uh, uh, a major retailer and they have a very aggressive drone strategy. It happens to fit their product very well. It's small, light, high value. Um, so we are planning drones and mixing that in with the ship from store. They have a very aggressive ship from store strategy. Uh, virtually everything they ship is zone one, um, almost without exception throughout all of the U.S. So it, it, it definitely has a play. Drones are going to have a place. Um, there's still a lot of problems to solve. Uh, Zipline is one of the ones that I think is pretty far along in solving a lot of those, those problems. Um, we will see. I, I think that there's even yet more innovation to happen in that space. It's very, very young. I know. You know, if you think about it, I mean, the whole drone space is... It's, it's I, I, in, in its infancy. I mean, Bill, there is like the whole FAA stuff around like, you know, the, the regulatory stuff you get. Warehouses need to get changed a little bit, right? Like how, where do you store them? How does it fly out, right? Like how does it pick up a package, exactly. right? Like you want automation. If I got a swarm of a thousand drones, right? Like I got to figure out how I'm going to ship them out. Like how are they going to pick up from my conveyor line or my ship sorter? But this is the line that I need to pick. And then, you know, the, the delivery part, but also from execution perspective, prioritizing what goes first, what goes next. Now it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's very much like multi-threaded, but it's only so many at a time that's actually happening. I'm sure there's going to be regulatory restrictions that you can only have, you know, 35 drones out at a time or something of that nature, right? So. Oh, this space is going to get interesting. It's there, exciting. There, at some point in time, there's, you know, we have TMSs, we have OMSs, we have WMSs. There's going to be a DMS, right? Yeah. You're going to have to have your drone management solution. Boom. Um, and, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not even, you know, that's, that, it's a great, you know, uh, I can imagine. I'm now looking it's, forward to it. 
Yeah, it's on a whiteboard somewhere that you've written yeah. DMS and the DMS strategy <laughs> as a modular application <laughs> from ProShip. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. And I like how you casually dropped in the word drone five minutes ago, Bill, and didn't think Nanad was going to jump all over that. I saw his face <laughs> light up when you when you casually said, oh, and the drones, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. Um, awesome. It's coming. It's, it's closer than we think, probably. Yeah. That's awesome, Bill. Listen, Bill, this time is absolutely flown by uh, as we expected. Oh. And the masterclass was was amazing. So really, really appreciate you joining us today, Bill, and uh, and having such a great conversation. Want to give you a quick opportunity, though, to like share with everyone where they could go to follow you on social media, if it's LinkedIn or wherever that might be, and where they could go to learn more about ProShip. Yeah, I would just go to ProShipInc.com. Um, don't follow me. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> uh, but our, our marketing group does collect and, and they actually have an interesting mission in our space. It is not our goal to promote ProShip. It is our goal to educate consumers. Um, we feel that if we can help them succeed, that they will help us succeed. So that's really our goal and our mission. So our marketing group produces a ton of content that is educational in nature. You won't see a lot of hype and a whole lot of fluff and you won't see a lot of industry buzzwords. You, you will not see a single mention of artificial intelligence. Um, at this point, there are very few problems in the shipment execution space. There are plenty of supply chain problems where AI makes sense, but that isn't our mission. Our mission is to help educate you to control your transportation spend and know what you're spending. So you aren't integrating generative AI into parcel execution? Yeah, no, yeah. we tried it, but the labels came out all screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, it's always a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thank you. Bill. Yeah, a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ninad Acharya, CEO and co-founder of Fulfillment IQ, and I'm here with Dan Call, CRO and partner at Fulfillment IQ. We're the team behind the Ecom Logistics Podcast. Our mission is to provide you with genuine insights from our work alongside logistics leaders to help you improve your supply chain. In the Ecom Logistics Podcast, we share the knowledge and the insights we've gained from working alongside amazing brands, retailers, 3PLs, and VCs, so you can make the most out of your supply chain journey. If you like what you're hearing, we'd truly appreciate your support with a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting channel. Your feedback not only keeps us going, but also helps others find the podcast. If you think Fulfillment IQ can assist you, or if you have an idea related to logistics, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always up for a chat and ready to explore new possibilities together. Stay tuned to the Ecom Logistics Podcast on your favorite podcast platform for fresh and practical insights into e-commerce and logistics. Until next time, let's keep making a difference in logistics together.